Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. Have a really good show coming up for you tonight. We're going to dive into the concept of paradoxes. Of course, I'm still feeding off the energy of season three of Dark, which last week was time travel. This week is paradoxes. That show is loaded with both and gets uh, very deep into a lot of those types of concepts while also keeping an amazing uh, story arc for the characters. It is a deep character dive as well. I did an entire Dark 3 season review on the Beyond the, Shado- Beyond the Shadows audio podcast, which you can get on Spotify, iTunes, all those different platforms. Um, but tonight, we're going to get into the, uh, the side of paradoxes and then... Um, it was the original idea for the entire show tonight. Unfortunately, um, this past Sunday, my friend Roland Gerodius, uh, passed away. It's, uh, extremely sad. He was a great, great guy. Um, I'm going to pay homage to him, uh, the second part of this show and get into some different things that he and I were supposed to discuss and get into for a, um, a film that he was putting together and that little interview never happened because I got involved in my move and then and then this happened so um so we'll get into that here in, in a little bit but first let's go ahead and get into uh paradoxes so I'm going to throw one out at you for starters right now uh this one I, I always love throwing this out at people true or false I'm lying <laughs> wrap your head around it for a second true or false i'm lying i know i always get a kick out of that one um there's also uh, the little socrates line um i know one thing that i know nothing uh, just those are cute little paradoxes but we're going to get into uh some of the different you know like time travel paradoxes and things like that so we'll get into some just for starters, and I know for the podcast later, this is going to be a little awkward because the first couple are optical illusions. You can't see that on a podcast. Um, by all means, go ahead and throw some uh, questions down in the chat room for those that are watching this live on YouTube. Quarantine Ghost will will handle those, handle those and feed those my way. So uh, thank you very much, Quarantine Ghost. Appreciate that. So let's start with the Penrose Stairs, Optical Illusion. Uh, This was actually featured in the movie Inception and how uh, it was used as a way to keep the maze small and to be able to use the paradoxes to... And again, it was running around the stairs. He ended up using it to thwart an enemy at some point. Uh, But every way you look at this image... It seems legit that these people are walking up and down the stairs, but yet it goes around in a circle and there's no destination. So it's a it's a paradox because they are never going up a level or going down a level. They're in a circle. And again, it's an optical illusion is how that, that paradox plays out. Another one uh, that is similar to that is the Blavet. And that is the uh, the three prongs, or is it? Um, it seems like it, but that uh, that third that middle prong kind of just disappears in the middle, and it's not really there. 
So a couple of optical illusions to throw your way here at the beginning. Uh, those are always fun. There's a ton of them. You can look these up online. You can Google all of that. Um, very interesting stuff. So we're going to get into some different types of paradoxes here. Uh, again, I'm not going to be able to get into all that I had wanted, which is which is fine. We'll, we'll get into some of these um, on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. I'll be coming out with a, uh, a full video on that, we'll, you know, like we usually do about uh, 10 minutes or so on that. But it will break down a lot of these different paradox ideas. So first one we'll be doing is uh, the bootstrap paradox, which um, basically they're self-existing objects that um, or pieces of information that have no origin. So when we get to some of the different time travel movies, this is basically like an object that has been uh, passed around. So for example, I'll throw out here one of my uh, favorite all-time movies is somewhere in time the watch um you know the watch basically gets passed from uh the old woman to christopher reeve to jane seymour who grows up into the old woman who again gives it back to christopher reeve and then he goes back in time and he hands it back to jane seymour who grows into the old woman who hands it back to christopher reeve you see where it's going right so there's no actual beginning to this watch you know you don't ever see anybody purchase it. It just gets passed around and around and around. And so it essentially has no origin. Um, the, the term bootstrap, because we call it a bootstrap paradox, um, it's, it harkens back to the expression pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and to um, Robert Heinen's time travel story called By His Bootstrap. So that's, that's where we get this term. Um, I know it's... The term itself, when we talk about bootstrap paradox, it's like, okay, I don't quite understand what you mean by bootstrap, but that's where it comes from. So that's that's one example. Another I mentioned dark earlier. So there's the book, A Journey Through Time. That's what the uh, German words on the front of the book mean. Uh, again, this is one in which um, H.G. Tannhaus, who wrote the book, he is given the book by a time traveler, you know, basically being asked, hey, is is this you? You know, did you write this book? And when he ends up with the book, he ends up writing it, but he would not have written it if he wasn't given the book to begin with. So this this book actually ends up in the hands of a number of different people throughout the show, but again, always ends up back with H.G. Tanhouse, who then ends up writing the book only because he has it to begin with. So the book itself actually has no origin. Um, there, isn't a, you know, there isn't a time where he wrote it without having the book to begin with. Um, so this, this is where that idea comes from, is that it's a, is a causal loop with no origin at all. You know, again, like with that watch, it was just given and given and given in a loop. So another example uh, like that from from Dark is there's actually Dark is loaded with bootstrap paradoxes. Um, is the letter uh, that Michael writes now? 
when we first see the show, it's basically a, a suicide note that he writes. And then we discover, I'm sorry if I'm going to give some spoilers, but it's season three out, so I will give some, you know, <laughs> very short season one and two spoilers. Um, he's given the letter in season two, but he he has no idea what is happening at that time. He only ends up writing the letter here because he has now seen it. So he wouldn't have known what to write in the letter if he hadn't actually seen it. And the person that gave it to him was his son who had traveled through time to give it to him. So again, there's there's really no origin to the letter. He never wrote it on his own without having been, been given the letter to begin with. And so that is, uh, that is the bootstrap paradox. So, and that was from, uh, from Dark. So another example of this, I'm, I'm going to be using, as, as we go through the paradoxes here, I'm going to be using references to, um, uh, to pop culture because we kind of relate to that you know, a little bit more than, than we do some more esoteric things. So, um, Another example of that, and go uh, to you Harry Potter fans. Yes, there is definitely a paradox in there. When Harry's having the life sucked out of him by the Dementors and the prisoner, uh, prisoner of Azkaban, from across the river or the lake or whatever it is, um, there comes the stag Patronus. And Harry thinks it's his father. Well, as they start screwing around with time, Harry himself ends up on the other side of that lake, thinking that his father is going to come and save his life. And he suddenly realizes that, oh no, I can generate the Patronus because I saw myself do it and then generates the Patronus. But there's no beginning to this cycle. There's no originating moment in which, you know, Harry saves himself from being killed by the Dementors. It's all a cycle. It's, you know, Harry is only saved by himself. He, he himself is only able to generate, because he couldn't generate the thing earlier um, in the story, but now he's able to generate it because he saw himself do it, but how did he see himself do it? The first, it's always that first time around that creates the paradox, that there is no first time around. It's all a loop that keeps going and going, and you can't find that origin. So, another example of a bootstrap paradox in Harry Potter. So, um, all right. So that is the, the bootstrap paradox. We'll get to the, uh, the grandfather paradox. This one is always really fun. Um, yeah, Victoria Monday. It's like a Celtic knock. There's no ending. There's no beginning. Um, they, uh, they do use that in the show, in the show dark. Uh, um, Geez, now the name is escaping me. The uh, somebody throw it down there. The name's escaping me right now. Uh, but the grandfather paradox was my brain went to grandfather paradox. Um, so basically, the idea that um, somebody goes back in time, kills their own grandfather, right? Um, which prevents the existence of the time traveler to begin with. If you were to accidentally or even purposely kill your own grandfather so we see this type of thing played out in um 
<laughs> Back to the Future. So Marty McFly, where he's he's not killing his grandfather. He's basically preventing his mother and father from getting together. Um, his mother ends up falling in love with him rather than uh, his father. And uh, so he starts disappearing. The uh, his brother and sister in the photo start disappearing. And uh, so he's preventing his own existence because he went back in time. So this is uh, the, the grandfather paradox played out by uh, Back to the Future. There's another piece of pop culture that also does this like to an amazingly nth degree. Um, and I do encourage people to watch it if you want an absolute mind-bending experience. Um, and I'm not going to give it all away, but, but basically, uh, with, with predestination, if you can figure out before the end of the movie, all the different ways in which this person has gone back in time and has interacted with himself, um, it is, it is crazy, but it kind of, um, I almost want to say redefines the grandfather paradox in itself it is absolutely nuts um so that is okay there's also the idea uh with the grandfather paradox that um if you do go back in time and you kill your own grandfather or even yourself or your father or whomever somebody related to you would that in turn, or even it doesn't even have to be somebody related to you, would that in turn spin off a parallel universe? So that's a theory that's out there. And I think, I think I've think i kind of explained many times in the show what I think of the idea of the multiverse. But it's, you know, we're talking theories. So would this in turn spin off a parallel universe? So interesting um, movie that kind of hits on that a little bit. It's really towards the end. Uh, the movie Looper. So, so he <laughs> Bruce Willis goes back in time. He's being hunted down by his younger self to kind of quote unquote close the loop. And so, if he is killed by his younger self. Because of the things that he is there to do, does that in turn change the future for, well, obviously him or everybody else? So, um, and you do kind of get that idea, that glimpse of a parallel universe and how things would certainly be different without one or the other. Now, did that just change history? Did those things really happen? And then now that this other event has happened, we have a whole new world or universe, or do we just kind of forget the things that happened before? Of course, I've talked before about my stack time theory that everything is happening concurrently, so we kind of already exist anyway, right? It's, it's kind of trippy when you start thinking about it. So um, I do have some questions in here already uh, from 
from Rent Oak. Is this like how there's the philosophy of time being nonlinear? Everything that ever is, was, or will be happening simultaneously? Well, I just kind of touched on that. <laughs> the stack time theory. Um, I mean, we're talking paradoxes, so um, that can play into it depending on the paradox um, or just may not. So um, we'll, we'll kind of take that as it comes. So, and then Brandon Wall, so how long has that skeleton guest been waiting to get on your show? He's just, Ichabod Cranium's just kind of hanging out there. He's one of the mascots. Ghosty's the other one. Ghosty is actually the, the real, yeah, move my finger the right way. Uh, Ghosty is actually the true mascot of Hunter of Media. Ichabod just kind of hangs out, but not, not insulting you though, buddy. All right. So, um... So it's that I think that about wraps it up for grandfather paradox. Yep, pretty much. So, like I said, on uh, the Hunter Road Media channel, we're gonna do, you know, like a official video on this. And I'm kind of like rushing through a lot of this since I do want to get to uh, the second half of the show. I don't want this to like encompass the entire uh, show itself. So. All right, so Schrodinger's cat. Um, this is a uh, interesting little paradox in itself. Many of you have probably heard of this one. So basically, um, the cat is locked in a steel chamber, and the original uh, thought experiment was that the cat's uh, life depended on the state of a radioactive atom and that when it decayed and it emitted the radiation, then the Geiger counter would go off and smash a vial of uh, poison, and then the cat would die. We believe in the box. Um, however, without knowing if those events happened within the box, then in, we, we, don't, we don't know if it's alive or dead. So therefore, it's in a way both it is both alive and dead because you can make a case for well by now surely the cat should be dead or well it could still be alive so the cat is also alive um what's interesting about this this thought experiment is it's it's kind of taken on a life of its own it's it's original intention uh by schrodinger was to um was not to promote the idea that um, a dead and a live cat at the same time is like a real serious possibility. But he wanted to, um, in, in his mind, in, in his opinion, uh, illustrate the absurdity of quantum mechanics. So he, he wasn't on board with uh, the thoughts and theories of quantum mechanics, so he wanted to illustrate something ridiculous, and so he came up with this idea of the cat. But it is a uh, interesting paradox of the possibility of a cat being alive and dead at the same time simply because you don't know what happened to the box um the idea that you have to observe it to know what the state of the cat is so um you guys are <laughs> uh you guys are now talking about uh the cats down there so um yeah you guys are funny 
like Kathy Salento. I beg to differ. Cats think out of the box. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, Victoria Monday, if a mime falls in a forest, does he make a noise? Yeah, very cute. <laughs> so that's Schrodinger's cat. Um, there's also um, Catch-22. So this uh, we use we use this term all the time now, right? Catch twenty two to describe a situation that we're in that we seemingly can't get out of, right? So it's actually the name of a book, and um, uh, the premise of the book was basically that um, soldier is trying to get out of combat duty and is trying to prove that he's. He has to be able to prove that he's insane to do so. However, the process to go through proving that you're insane, all the different forms and everything that you have to fill out, actually proves that you're sane. So um, it's the idea of being in need of something, and the only way that it can be had is in not being in need of it. That's the catch-22. And so this is the term that we've been using ever since this book came out to describe these types of situations in our lives. It's like, a lot of times, you know, where this comes up is like when we're trying to like uh, pay a bill or argue a bill with, you know, some sort of um, company or dealing with like health insurance or whatever, and they put you in seemingly impossible situations. Well, you need to get this thing, but you can't get it until this is, situation is true, but you can't make this situation happen because the other thing hasn't happened yet. That's where we seem to find these situations. So, um, in trying to find some sort of pop culture, uh, reference to, to describe this other than Catch-22, um, it was, it was a situation that was made possible, and so it's not a true Catch-22, however, it is similar, about as close to a Catch-22 as you can probably have and still make it happen, um, was uh, I'm going back to Harry Potter again and the Sorcerer's Stone in that the only way for the, the uh, Sorcerer's Stone is trapped inside the mirror and the only way to get it out of the mirror is to not actually want it um, for any sort of personal gain. So it was pretty, pretty close to being a catch-22 in, in Harry's desires because that is uh era said spelled backwards desire um his desire isn't to actually use it he just that was the thing he uh to want it but not actually use it where everybody else going to the mirror for the sorcerer's stone would generally want to use it and so it's near a catch-22 but not quite um but i think it kind of works for this illustration as far as uh you know, people being able to relate to it. So um, there we go. See if you guys have any um, other questions down here. Are there any paradoxes that don't include time travel? I think I illustrated a couple, um, especially the um, the optical illusions for sure. Um, the Catch-22 doesn't require time travel. Neither does Schrodinger's cat. Um, there's a number of them. You could actually look up types of paradoxes, and some are just kind of like quirky little brain teasers, really. Um, but there's a lot of different 
uh, types of paradoxes. No, they don't all require time travel. I like the time travel ones, um, which is why I, I tend to cover those sorts of things. Um, they really... Um, they really cause you to question the mechanics of space and time in the connected universe. That's something we always go back to. So that's where um, in our ongoing study of the connected universe, that is where paradoxes come into play is when we talk about uh, space and time. So, all right. Um, are there any other questions? Then we'll go ahead and get to... Um, to Roland stuff here so Fermi paradox I'm not familiar with the Fermi paradox like I said there's like you could look it up there's like lists of hundreds of different types of uh, paradoxes so um, uh, and Robert Hanna yes time travel is just a cool concept it is a pretty cool concept um, and I believe it is possible I mentioned somewhere in time earlier we talked time travel last week if time travel if time travel is really possible i think somewhere in time that particular movie um it's based off a book called bid time return if it is really possible that is probably the closest to how it would really happen everybody else wants to use some sort of device or something mechanical to make it happen even my favorite show dark did that lost used like an entire freaking island to do it um, um, Back to the Future used a DeLorean. They always use the machines. Somewhere in time doesn't at all. Uh, nothing mechanical. It was all power of the mind. It was all willpower. I think that's probably the the closest to how it would really happen. So, um, Victoria Monday, would you consider traveling on the astral plane time travel? Um... Not necessarily. So I have heard about people that claim that they have time traveled while astral projecting. Um, but usually astral projecting, at least from m many of the accounts that I have read, um, you know, time is still happening. They're still in the river of time. And they're going and visiting people at other locations, for them going, even going off planet. But, but time is still going on uh, on Earth. So, yeah, it, it seems like for the most part, traveling the astral plane is not outside the kind of quote-unquote river of time, if you believe there's a river of time. Um, but some people do claim that they, are, that they are able to go back in time. Now, whether that's just seeing, you know, an echo, a shadow of the past, a, you know, somebody's memory... It, it's kind of hard to say because you're on a kind of a different plane of existence at that point in time, whether it's another dimension, perhaps. Um, but it seems like for the most part, there's a lot of a, a lot of accounts that um, that I've read. People are doing it, you know, meditating before they go to bed uh, or something like that, or maybe even when they first wake up, and they're they're projecting and going, you know, someplace else to go. Um, you know, check in on a relative or, you know, see other parts of the world or something like that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I'm trying to remember if we've covered, if we've covered astral projecting here on this show before, if not here on the old Inside the Upside Down show, maybe. 
We should just bring on a guest to edge of the rabbit hole to talk about astral projection. It would be interesting. Um, so Victoria also says, then would time be as the same as a film sprocket, the element that keeps us in sync? I don't know what a film sprocket is. So I wouldn't be able to answer that. Um, all right. So B3 Airspace saw old pioneers on our land. I guess that was back in time. I mean, it could... You could be seeing a ghost apparition. It could be some sort of time slip, some sort of time lapse where your moments in time overlapped and you got to see a glimpse of that. We kind of talked about that a bit last week. So, all right. All right. I think that will probably do it for the paradoxes for now. Let me go ahead and um, get into the couple things I want to talk about with, uh, with Roland. So... So this past Sunday, um, my friend Roland um, passed away, and like I was saying, um, he was working on a uh, on a film project. He had hit me up to uh, to interview for that show for that film that he was putting together, and. We were trying to work out a, a day and time to make that happen, and I was in the middle of preparing for a move, and it didn't happen. I feel bad about that, but I was I was preparing for the move, um, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to honor his his request. Um, for those of you that knew Roland, he was a great guy, full of energy, always um, extremely inquisitive, had so many questions. Um, he would. They get so excited about stuff. Like I remember we were doing a panel together one time, um, one of Kelly McCarvel's events there in Iowa. And that's usually when I would see him was at those events. Um, and he would get so excited about answering the question. He would like just jump out of his chair and he would have to like stand. Um, he's a great guy. So I was always, um, I always enjoyed talking to him and he just, he had a real, real thirst for knowledge. So I'm really going to miss him. <clears throat> so in any case, um, what I wanted to do was take his his list of questions um, and kind of go through that. He he had like some specific uh, locations that he wanted to talk about as well. I don't know what questions he had about those specific locations. So I'm just going to take his uh, his questions it's from him um, that he had for me for for that film. And so, and some of you guys already know this stuff. Um, but I want to do this for him. And, you know, if he's listening out there, Roland, I miss you, buddy. Um, all right, so first experience in the paranormal is what he's asking. Ghost, crypto, UFO, etc. Um, so first paranormal experience, I say, I end up calling it my first real paranormal experience, or first, not real, but first significant paranormal experience, because I, I may have had a couple before it. Um, there may have been an apparition of a little girl that I saw one time waking up in my parents' bed. I somehow ended up in, in bed with them um, in the middle of the night. I probably had a bad dream. Girl hovering in the air, maybe. I don't know. I was like maybe like five or six at the time. Another one that I called uh, the blinking gorilla at my grandparents' house. Again, probably around five or six years old, and there was something white in the doorway. I was in the upstairs bedroom, uh, in bed, supposed to be sleeping. And it was this white 
image that was short, stocky in nature, and it was kind of blinking in and out, whitish in nature. And um, the next morning I went downstairs and my father always cracks up when he, when he tells the story because um, what I said to my grandfather was, Grandpa, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have a blinking gorilla upstairs in your bedroom. Um, again, and I, I know it wasn't headlights because I, I had a bedroom um, back at my house that I always see the headlights, you know, with passing vehicles. So I knew what headlights looked like. So it was, it was something in the doorway, but I don't, at least in my child's eyes, I thought it was a, blinking gorilla but my first significant paranormal experience was the shadow person that i saw in the corner of my room when i was like eight or nine years old standing in the corner i thought it was an intruder i thought somebody was about to kill me i had no idea it was a shadow person it came up to my bed took me by the wrist crossed my arms across my body and then ran off down the hall and into a closet of course i tried to scream nothing came out of my mouth I did find my legs and voice after it ran off down the hall and uh, into my parents' bedroom, screaming. So, um, of course, they tried to console me, tell me that it was a, uh, you know, that it was just a bad dream. But I knew, I knew for sure that one wasn't. Um, I was certainly wide awake for all of that. So, um, that was my first significant paranormal experience. But I may have had a couple before that. Um, okay, what is my take on ghosts, uh, spirits, ghosts, shadow spirits? So, it's varying, uh, really, I mean, ghosts, spirits, and we're talking about, to me, with that, we're talking about a human spirit, somebody who has, um, you know, lost their physical body, and they have, um, they're on a different I can't necessarily say different plane of existence because the ghosts are on our plane of existence here with us um, but they have a different view of it than we do um, you know I believe that there is a hereafter a kind of kind of quote unquote home world that we go to that a human spirit will eventually go it may be directly after death they may linger here a while we have a lot of different theories that we speculate as to why they hang out here, um, whether that's their loss, they didn't find the light, um, they may have some other objective that, that they want to stay around here on Earth um, in, in experience. Um, I don't really believe in the whole crossing over thing that without consent to do that, um, I know a lot of people will be like, well, you know, I want to go to, you know, some haunted location and cross the spirits over, you know. Um, I don't think we should be doing that without the okay from them. I always use the example of my grandfather. He passed away before my grandmother, uh, but he was going around visiting family for a while, and he spent a lot of time with her as well. It was basically he was waiting around um, for her to pass, and then when she did, they, they went on their way. So I would have been upset i'm sure he would have been upset if somebody kind of came in and just like i'm crossing you over sort of thing um and then he was gone and you know wasn't around for my grandmother during those last few years so um it's kind of my take on the whole the spirit ghost thing uh as far as shadow spirits i mean this is kind of my 
forte lately, right? Um, maybe that's not the quite term because I don't necessarily believe in quote unquote experts. I believe in people that are um, you know very knowledgeable about different subjects within the paranormal, but believe we're always learning and there are, are new things to discover. Um, I've happened to have done a lot of research on shadow spirits, hence my book, A Walk in the Shadows, a complete guide to shadow people that came out uh, January this year. Be sure to pick it up. Uh, the link is down in the description. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've had a lot of personal experience with, uh, with shadow people, not just that one when I was little, but... Um, you know, throughout my, well, I mean, another one when I was a teenager and throughout all of my investigative years um, as a paranormal investigator, I've interacted with many different shadow entities. So um, they are not all evil. That is a misnomer that I can't stand. Um, you know, many of these, I've walked into the room the and the shadow basically acts like I just scared it. Um, the one that I experienced when I was a teenager you know, it was a activity that was going on for a few months when I first moved into a house, and it was kind of standing in the doorway, peering in. I, you could say maybe it was being a little creepy by doing that, but it wasn't evil, you know. Um, and many of these shadow entities that we see and experience are actually just human spirits. Um, I've told the story many times about the little girl that morphed out of the the smoke at mineral springs hotel black smoke you know so um somebody could have looked down the hall seen that black smoke and got scared and be like oh my god it's, it's um evil black smoke and took off and didn't wait around to see it turn into the little girl you know that that could have happened we stuck around and waited and saw it morph into the little girl so certainly not evil it's just a little girl um so yeah they're not all evil and nefarious it just depends on the particular shadow person i, I kind of simplify it a little bit you know some people are good some people are bad some shadow people are good some shadow people are bad um shadow people have also been around for thousands and thousands of years we had uh with nathaniel gillis we kind of touched on a little bit on edge of the rabbit hole um this evening that um that these shadow entities have been around since like ancient days, you know. Um, I, I do have a, a bit in a walk in the shadows <laughs> as I kind of poke at the book here. I do have uh, a chapter in there, uh, of a brief summary on some aspects of shadow people in ancient cultures. Um, you know, the uh, ancient Mesopotamians, ancient Egyptians, they did talk about shadow entities. If you look through um, ancient cultures from, you know, for thousands of years all over the world, you know, cultures that had no connection to each other whatsoever, they're all talking about the same different types of experiences with these shadow entities. So they've been around for a long, long, long time. It's not something you know, new or newly discovered or whatever, um, I think a lot of people tried to say that because of the internet, that these different stories have proliferated. I get the same thing with like, you know, black eyed children. When people ask me about those and it's like, well, it seems like it's only been um, over the last 20 years or so. It's like, well, some of the first stories were like 50 years ago or so. And you also have to take into account that, you know, there was a, a period of our history where if you talked about something like this, 
that they'd lock you up and throw away the key. So you didn't talk about it. Um, so, you know, shadow people go along, you know, with that, you know, type of entity that for there was a time in there, people didn't really talk about anything, you know, whether it was ghosts, voices, whatever. Um, but if you look back into history, these things have been uh, there always. So, um, so that answers this question on that. Um, we, I mean, we have devoted entire shows to that. Um, so, aspects of investigations, what is it like after an investigation? Um, so, I guess what he's asking here uh, about doing paranormal investigations, I'm not quite sure what he wanted to know about aspects of investigating. I mean, we could, we could get into all kinds of different stuff. Um, you know, when it comes in, when it comes to, you know, how I handle it, I guess I could talk about that, how I handle investigations. So when I go into a, um, any location and I just released the Mary Washington, uh, investigation video, the Mary Washington house investigation video yesterday on the Hunter Road media channel. And you'll notice that with each room that I'm in, I always end up introducing myself. I always describe who I am and why I'm there and what it is that I'm doing. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, the entity that is in that particular room, ghost, spirit, whatever's there, may not have been in the other room downstairs. So they may not know who I am. So I have to read and introduce myself for that particular room so they know who, who's trying to talk to them. Um, and I'm respectful as possible because, you know, like 90% of the time, at least, these entities, these spirits that we're talking to are human spirits. You know, they they once had human form. They once lived and breathed and existed just like you and I. And so there's a certain respect that goes with that where, you know, many of these this this was their home this was their house and you don't just barge into a person's house and start demanding you know um you know knock on the door or open the door or make a noise or you know knock something over or hit me that one i hate um it's ridiculous stuff like that where they're treating them like circus animals or guinea pigs and it's like no you don't go into a house somebody's house and start demanding those things of somebody um you know, you, you introduce yourself and you start, you know, chatting, you try to find something in common, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you, you just go through your, your typical respectful mode of conversation with somebody that you've never met before. Now, as you return to a location again and again and again, you don't have to necessarily go through all of that reintroduction again. You can, Start saying, hey, you remember me, I'm Mike, we talked before, these are things that we discussed, I'd like to know more about X, Y, and Z. But that first time through, probably the second time through, you know, you have to go through uh, these different motions, at least I believe, um, it's a respectful thing to do. Um, you also have to take into context uh, place and time, so... Um, was it Judy Wilson or Sharon Lane or somebody in the uh, comments? It may have even been both of you. Of that particular video, noted how I had described to the spirits 
what I was doing with the video camera because the spirits that are there are probably not familiar with not just a video camera, but any camera whatsoever. So having to describe what this device does, not just it's taking, I did, I did kind of go down the route. Okay. It's taking thousands of pictures all at one time, but also to go back to the, the point of describing, okay, if you don't know what a photograph is, I was the, building has a long history so there may be spirits there that do know what a photograph is but considering it goes all the way back to the time of uh the american revolution they don't know what a photograph is back then so describing okay it's like a painting yeah i mean you have to describe these things so people going in there and saying hey can you you know turn the light on or make the i love it can you make the k2 meter light up I mean, they have no idea what the hell a k2 meter is you know, so you have to kind of walk them through. This is what it is. So um, I think that kind of answers this question for that. Um, question here, ball play and cat. Uh, have the shadow people tried to touch you? Yeah, well, that was my first ever experience with a shadow person um, where it actually grabbed me by the arms, crossed them across my body and ran off down the hall. So that was everything that I described about my uh, my first real or uh, first uh, significant paranormal experience. So, um, yeah, Sharon, your courteous manners would be appreciated by spirits from the distance path. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's what I believe. That when you're, and I've gotten a, a lot better reaction with that. When you're courteous and polite, you get better interaction with the spirits. So, um, all right. So, Roland also wanted to know, uh, okay, what it was like after investigation. Um, dark chocolate. Dark chocolate helps. It really does. So, it, it's not just, um, so, like, uh, it has to do with the pineal gland. So, you got so much activity firing up there, and the dark chocolate actually helps with that. Um, I was talking about Harry Potter earlier in the uh, the show, so... Professor Lupin, when he's trying to teach him how to do the Patronus, is having him eat chocolate afterwards. It really does help. It's like no joke. Um, what is it like to get nothing? So that's on investigations. Um, it happens. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. They see they see the shows, and you know the show was like forty two minutes, and uh, there's a significant chunk of that that is not even investigating because they're going through, you know, introducing what the house is, what's going on. They're interviewing people, all that. So you might get like, um, you know, 20 to 25 minutes of actual investigating. And they're showing the highlights of that on, on television. So you don't get a real idea of how an investigation really works. Most of the time during an investigation, nothing's going on. Um, you know, many people would even think it's quite boring because you're just sitting there and it's dead quiet. You know, it, it happens more times than not. Um, and there are those investigations where you do get absolutely nothing and you, you know, you go home and you listen through the audio and there's nothing there. Um, it doesn't mean that the place isn't haunted. It just means that there was not a haunting occurring that particular evening. Um, it's been many times that we've done residential cases and, you know, we go back, we get nothing, we experience nothing there, and yet the homeowner is still like, well, there's still stuff going on here. And you might have to go back several times until it's like, oh, you know, we just had that night that, you know, everything went crazy, but it was like the fourth or fifth time that you were there. So, um, 
Yeah, for you to get nothing on an investigation is not abnormal at all. Um, so mediums, shamans, and psychics um, is not really a question that uh, is included there. But I guess he wanted me to talk about mediums, shamans, and psychics in general, which, um, yeah, I, I do believe that, um, that people do have um, you know, psychic abilities. Um, people say I have some that I don't give myself enough credit for what I do have going on, which that's fine. I, I would, I would agree with that. I would say that, um, I don't try to really make a big deal about that. Cause I don't want to try to, pre uh, uh, to present myself as something more than what I am when it comes to that sort of thing. Cause I've seen too many people in this field that do have some abilities and try to present themselves way up here like um you know one day they're like oh yeah i have some psychic abilities and i've, I've you know i can walk into a room and and you know pick up on a little bit of activity going on here and the next day they're you know they're giving readings um yeah this was it was actually something that was thrown at me uh this past weekend or was it the end of last week i don't know all the days kind of blend together um it was on Chris Garcia's show. What was that, Friday? Yeah, that was Friday. Um, and he picked up on, he's a psychic himself, and he picked up on the fact that, yeah, I have something going on. And, um, you know, like I said, I can walk into a room and be like, yeah, there's there's something here. There's, you know, a spirit or whatever. Um, occasionally, I might even be able to tell you if it's male or female, um, just from the general vibe, right? But, you know, he suddenly asked me somewhere in that show, well, could you give me a reading? And it's like, man, I don't do readings. And I'm not going to sit there and try to, you know, fake one or whatever, or not even necessarily, it wouldn't even have to be necessarily faking one, but to even just try to do that live on the air right here and now, be like, I'm, I mean, I'm just sitting here saying, yeah, I've got a little bit of something going on. I'm not going to suddenly try to give a reading. But I see a lot of people just come out of the woodwork and it's like now yesterday you were just doing that and now you're saying you're up here so I don't want to be and present myself as that type of person uh, but there are plenty of people that are absolutely legit we've had many of them on our uh, edge of the rabbit show edge of the rabbit hole show where we've interviewed them um you know whether it's they're doing readings or tarot or remote viewing or whatever um there are there are some seriously talented people, so um, so yeah, absolutely. All right, so Roland also wanted to know the direction of the field in general: entertainment, online locations, residential. Um, the direction of the field is always in flux. Um, so, like. <laughs> We could go what, through a whole history of, of this. So it, there's ebb and flows. Um, the direction of the field right now seems to be on another ebb up after we kind of hit a little bit of a lull there for a while. So, you know, the 2000s, we, um, you know, there was a great interest. You know, uh, a number of the shows that were coming out, that you know, were new, um, like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. When they first came out, you know, there was a, a mass increased interest. Um, people forget Scariest Places on Earth, which preceded both. Um, 
And then there was, you know, kind of a fall off there for a while because I, I think what was happening was it, it's, it's the entertainment industry it is kind of what ends up guiding these things these days. Um, there was like a thousand different shows coming out um, that had to do with the paranormal. And they were all kind of cookie cutter-ish. Uh, some of them were, you know, borderline ridiculous. And so they weren't getting you know, good reviews, good ratings. And so they would fall away like immediately. And so the networks see that and they're like, okay, we're done with it. So that's where we kind of fell into a lull. It's picked back up here recently. Uh, a lot more shows coming out again. Um, Travel Channel really jumped on that. Um, I, I think they found, you know, some, some new takes on it rather than just we're throwing a paranormal investigative team out there. Um, they're find some, finding some other angles uh, to take on it. You know, even, you know, something like the Alaska Triangle, there were paranormal investigations within it, but, you know, it wasn't just all paranormal investigations. You know, they had me on the side of a mountain with dowsing rods talking about, um, you know, vortices. And, you know, there was a lot of that sort of stuff, you know, like the missing Douglas, you know, did it get sucked into a portal? So we even talked about the Bermuda Triangle and Bruce Gurdon and him going through, um, you know, his electronic fog and things like that. So it, it incorporated a lot of different things, um, you know, the ghost ships and, uh, and things like that. So, um, you're, you're finding like this, this mix of different topics and not just straight up ghosts. So, um, so Tanya Rogers, uh, has anything ever really scared you just wondering? Um, I mean, really, the most scared I was was when I was a kid. Uh, certainly, the shadow entity that uh, grabbed my arms, crossed them across my body. I was terrified of that. Of course, I had, I didn't understand it at the time what that was. Um, on an investigation, um, not really scared during an investigation. Um, the most would have been in a non-investigative uh, moment where there, was, there were things going on with shadows at the time, like many of them. I wasn't prepared for it, really, is what was going on. Something very personal was going on at the time in this secluded location, and while I was trying to talk a person down off a ledge, all these shadow entities were coming out of the woods. So um, that was extremely creepy. It was very disconcerting. I would not say I was like scared out of my mind or anything like that. It was just like, eh, we should probably get going in we ended up leaving, so, um, it's best I could probably answer that, um, direction of, okay, we talked about direction of field in general entertainment, I mean, I, th I think it'll just continue to do that, it'll ebb and flow for, you know, perpetually, I mean, even, like, on a much broader scale, um, you know, like, we had the spiritualism movement of the, really from, like, the mid-1800s into the early 20th century, and then that fell by the wayside, and we went through this period of time where, um, you know, if you just talked about ghosts and spirits, you were absolutely nutty and crazy and, you know, getting locked away. Followed by this interesting period of development where, like, Hans Holzer was coming into play. The Warrens were starting to come into play, and so interest was starting to gather back up. Um you know, like in search of with Leonard Nimoy would touch on the subject sometimes. And sometimes it would be guests on those shows. Uh, but there wasn't really that, um, I guess, entertainment 
entertainment medium. We didn't really have like reality TV at the time. We would have like the little documentaries like that or interview type shows, um, which they would come on. Uh, but they didn't really have like the reality TV phenomenon that we've had. And that is really what has made this take off here over the last 20 years. But even within that it has its own minor ebbs and flows, which what which is what we're experiencing now. So, um, so Roland also want to know, well, yeah, takes on UFOs and, and cryptids and what I think of those types of things. So, I mean, I, I do believe in extraterrestrials. Um, we've covered that, um, I won't say extensively here on Beyond the Shadows or even the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. Um, from time to time, we, we touch on those topics. Uh, it's certainly, it's certainly all related. Um, I do believe there are extraterrestrials out there. I mean, there's... There's no way we're alone in the universe. Uh, whether they're traveling here through a physical craft or they're traveling here interdimensionally, that's for debate. Um, it could be either or, it could be both. A lot of different options that we have here. Uh, as far as cryptids, yeah, I think some of those things are out there. Um, I don't get like really big into stuff like you know Sasquatch or Bigfoot. We, we'll have on guests from time to time that are experts on those topics. I don't go quote unquote squatching or anything like that, but I'm certainly open to the idea of a lot of those types of, you know, creatures and entities still being around. Um, you know, the Alaska Triangle I thought had an interesting uh, take there. And one particular subject was on the, uh, the Harry Man episode. Um, they had a, a small segment on the possibility that there could actually be some living woolly mammoth still out there you wouldn't really call that a cryptid but um it's the same concept that you know you do have these vast wide areas of of land that are still kind of relatively unexplored you know we we know that there's the land there and there are animals that live within there but if you take the idea that like with um with sasquatch that they're you know small in numbers over this large you know vast area of land your likelihood of crossing paths with one is very small. So is there a possibility that even woolly mammoths are still out there? Like a few? Maybe. Maybe. It's an interesting idea. Uh, advice to aspiring um, paracurious people. <laughs> paracurious, that's interesting. Um, interesting term. Good, Roland. Um, yeah, my, my advice for anybody... Like who wants to start investigating? Um, take the shows with a grain of salt. Um, you know that that's great that it sparked your interest. Cool. Um, if it got you to, um, you know, to to question, if it got you to research and read and all of that, awesome. Um, do not mimic what you see on the shows as this is the way you're supposed to do it because I saw it on this TV show. I mean, they may be doing some stuff correctly in the show or whatever. Um, but again, remember, you're talking about, you know, three to five days worth of investigating that they've condensed down into like 42 minutes. So it's, it's not the real deal. It's just, it's pieces of that. Um, my advice is find a reputable local investigative team who has been doing this for many, many years. And you, know, you might not be able to say, hey, I want to be a part of your team and they invite you right in. But they may 
you know, be open to bringing you along with some investigations. They might be doing like maybe some public stuff and you go to their public events and you get to know them a little bit, ask them some questions, learn from those that have been doing it for many, many years on a regular basis and learn how it actually really works. So, um, and Tom McNicholas, yeah, Roland is the kind of person you instantly like when you meet him. Yes, he absolutely was, loved Roland, so he is definitely going to be deeply missed. Um, yeah, and that was essentially what we were going to be talking about. He said, anything else you'd love to add, so... So those are my rolling questions. Um, if you um, if you go out to the Raven Rose Paranormal Facebook page, um, you can see he interviewed he and his wife Cynthia um, interviewed a lot of great people. Um, there were some really interesting topics. I, I was in a couple of those on there, um, but yeah, their uh, their interviews. I mean, Roland. He would just start asking, fire away on these different questions and different topics, and he would just get so excited. And you know, it's he would want to know more and more and more. I loved his thirst for knowledge, and just you know, he had an amazing energy about him. So, um, so go check all of that stuff out. So, um, quarantine ghost popped down the uh, with the link. Thank you very much, quarantine ghost. Appreciate that. Um, Aren't they amazing, that quarantine ghost? So um, another question here from, okay, actually, let me go back up. So getting the questions from quarantine ghost here from B3 Airspace. Mike, have you asked a psychic about that incident when younger? Yeah, so um, I have gotten feedback from two different psychics about that event with the shadow person. Um, and what was interesting is these, they were probably like a year apart. They're, these two psychics are not associated with each other whatsoever. And their idea was both the same, that perhaps this shadow entity thought that I was dead and was putting me into a burial pose. And the idea was like the old crook and flail from, um, the Egyptian times. Now, whether they thought I was Egyptian or the... Uh, shadow entity was Egyptian don't know but both of them thought that they were actually honoring me and putting me into a burial post so very again quite different from the idea that this thing was trying to do me harm that those who believe that all shadow people are evil would say okay this thing is you know trying to hurt me or whatever for ran off down the hall the idea here from these two psychics is that no it was trying to honor me <clears throat> put me in a burial pose and then as far as like they're running off down the hall perhaps it then when i tried to scream realized that oh he's actually alive he's not dead and maybe again like i scared it and it took off so um yeah that was from that was from two different psychics it's an interesting idea about that um, ball playing, ball playing cat. Do you think shadow people can be summoned? Some. Um, so the crawler that I experienced at Black Bear Church in Olive Township, Oklahoma. Um, there are many legends around that building that, um, 
the crawler has been summoned. We did find some evidence there of possible, possible, don't know for a fact, possible um, occult activity by people visiting after the church had been abandoned. We did find this, um, it was like a pedestal in one of the back rooms where we found some like charred remains of stuff back there. So it kind of played into the whole story about people trying to summon things there. Um, but we don't know for sure because we weren't actually present for these um, for these rituals if they existed, if they really happened. Um, Victoria Monday, Mike, do you find that when you're more emotional, stuff going on personally, there's more activity happening when you're out investigating, like they use your energy? Um, well... It's a good question. I would say yes and no. Um, sometimes when you're emotionally down, for instance, um, you might totally close yourself off to anything uh, paranormal that may be going on at the location. You just may not be in the right mindset whatsoever to be investigating, and there you are out there. And even you might have like a spirit right in front of your face and not even realize it because you've just closed yourself off. Um, that said, um, you know, you do have a personal energy about you that now yeah, they could tap into and use. I mean, we talk about energy vampires, about, um, you know, spirits or entities that have the ability to feed off of your energy and use it themselves. Um, there are times that we go out on these investigations and we get drained because it's like, yeah, they've used our energy to be able to manifest, um, you know, or we feel something like I've had that before where something has seemingly passed through me and all of a sudden I get, whoa, like really lightheaded, like I'm about to pass out, you know, so did it feed off that energy? And, you know, that was a night that we had a bunch of stuff going on. So did it, take that energy from me and then use it elsewhere, possibly. Um, so I think they can, but um, it's not necessarily when I'm more emotional at the time. Um, it, I guess it would kind of depend on what the emotion is. Like I said, you know, you could be like more closed off to everything going on, depending on your state of mind at the time. Um course there could also be times that you're completely open like hey bring it on and like nothing <laughs> you know so um so it's really uh it's really interesting how you could say yes and no to that very question oh no it's a paradox which is how we started the whole show sharon lane would you go to a known haunted location if you were energy depleted or mildly ill it's probably not highly recommended um I, um, I would say, well, as far as mildly ill, you should probably just stay home anyway, um, you know, so that you don't make yourself worse. Um, as far as like energy depleted, yeah, it's probably not a good idea either. Um, because if you are like, let's say if you're mentally exhausted, you're not primed for good decision making. So if you go to you know, let's say it's an abandoned building that has known haunts. If you're energy depleted, mentally fatigued or whatever, you may be making some poor decisions about the location that you're at. And so, you know, imagine making a poor decision um, 
as you're about to walk down a flight of stairs that no longer exists. Um, I've been at many abandoned locations where it's just like, oh, there's there was a stairwell there, and you don't want to take that first step because that's a doozy. You know, if you're not if you're not mentally suited for the evening and you make that wrong step, that's gonna be a bad day. Um, it's also a story of um, oh, I, this this story is secondhand, but it was um, a, a fair warning of um, it was the ruins of a bridge in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City area that um, is haunted. And a group of paranormal investigators were out there one night. A couple of them had been drinking. The one woman who had had yeah. Probably uh, way too much that particular evening. Decided that she was going to go out and do some sort of balancing act out on the ruins of this bridge, and slipped and fell and paralyzed herself. So, um, yeah, you you want to be in like good faculties when you know you're out investigating, where you're out going to these different places. You know, not not even just from a you know a matter of interacting with the spirits, but just the environment, the physical environment that you're in. So, all right. So, um, we were past the hour a while ago, um, I guess a good 10 minutes ago. So, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up for now. Um, and so, ball play in cat. I think the hat man is an energy vampire. Yeah, uh, energy vampire uh, as or the hat man as an energy vampire, that is one of the, um, the hat man is one of the more nefarious of the shadow entities. Um, many people do believe that he is a type of energy vampire because he typically kind of comes up to your bed, strikes fear into the person, and then that's the idea is that he uh, feeds off of that energy. So um, I would highly recommend for you because you do seem to have a lot of shadow people questions. A Walk in the Shadows, a complete guide to shadow people. So I do talk, there are uh, chapters in there about each of the different types of uh, shadow people, including the hat man that you're asking about, uh, getting into sleep paralysis on here, um, a lot of different concepts about interdimensional beings. We get into um, the history of uh, shadow people, shadow entities throughout thousands of years. Uh, and then we get into the question, are they all evil? No, they're not all evil. Um, yeah, and of course, there, people always want to know too, are they demons? Every once in a great, great while, but no, they're not all demons. So, but you'd probably find that pretty interesting. So link is down in the description. And Quarantine Ghost put it in there earlier too. So, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Um, again, um, for, for Roland, I do want to express my uh, condolences to uh, to Cynthia and the Gerodius clan. Um, Roland will definitely be missed. Um, you know, when those events start back up, um, he was always at those ones out there in Iowa, and I really enjoyed talking to him uh, all those times. So um, there's, a, there's a GoFundMe out there uh, for Cynthia right now. So... Um, I don't know if I did I yeah I linked to that on my um, on my personal page 
So you guys can find that on my personal page um, when I shared that out. And, uh, you know, please help out that way, too. So, all right, let's go ahead and get to the shout out. So, again, thank you, Quarantine Ghost, for um, moderating the chat down there. Always, always appreciated. Let's get to the Patreon patrons. So, Tom McNicholas, B3 Airspace, Pamela Queen, Joe Chandler, Andrew Cox, Dustin Samario, and Trucker David Y. David Yeisley. So, thank you all for being deep down the rabbit hole. Patreon patrons. Of course, we have a bunch more Patreon patrons, but uh, those are the ones at the, uh, the deep down the rabbit hole level. So, absolutely appreciate it. So, on the participants tab, we've got Ballin. Uh, ball play and cat b3 airspace kathy salento christopher stanton uh robert hannah sharon lane tom mcnicholas victoria monday um let's see about the others that we have here um just kind of scroll through here a little bit to see who robert hannah um i know a lot of people had to uh, kind of bail out there uh, Joy H, there you are. It is after midnight in the east, after all. Um, so also, um, Diane Hilbert uh, just got uh, out of surgery uh, a few days ago. So want to, uh, you know, send her some positive energy as well. And I guess that's probably going. Uh, there's Tammy Heitzman. Guess I'll probably do it for now. All right, everybody, and Tanya Rogers. Yeah, see that too, E-E-Q-Q, -Q. so I'm seeing it now. Uh, was Guha out here? So give a shout out to Guha just in case. Uh, Greg Rinkin. There's Tim Schoen on Road Roast. It helps you, yeah, I could do that now, so. This episode of Beyond the Shadows brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. There we go. Mr. CO2 is out there as well. And I think that'll probably do it. All right. Oh, there's Adam Tillery. Good. Adam Tillery's in the house. Alina the fam. There we go. I don't see everybody. Cool. All right, guys. So we will see you um, next week. Who's our guest next week on Edge of the Rabbit Hole? Let me see here. Let me just look that up real quick, and I'll tell you. So our guest next week is oh that is michelle piper so um i was on her show uh, a few weeks back uh you'll find her really really interesting so um there's uh april wimigwans um yeah you'll you'll find her really interesting so uh tune in next week we'll be right back here also um for I guess a more complete <laughs> Paradoxes video. Uh, check out the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel later this week. But you can check out the Time Travelers uh, video out there if you haven't yet that uh, got put out last week. And, of course, the new Paranormal Investigation video from the Mary Washington House all on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. So, all right, everybody. Have a great night. Till next time.